Welcome to the Beef Brunch Educational Series podcast, bringing you information on cattle production and management in Louisiana and surrounding states. All right, good morning, everyone, and thank you all for joining us for our news update on Tuesday, uh, February 2nd. I'm Ashley Edwards, and with me, I have Lee Falk and Jason Holmes. Um, I think we're going to keep it fairly short today. Uh, Vince Desitel is at our, uh, at his district show, and we're right in the middle of, of show season. I know Jason's sitting at uh, the Northeast District Show office. So, Lee, I'm going to go ahead and let you kick it off with our update for uh, Northwest Louisiana. Thank you, Ashley, and good morning, everyone. Glad to be with y'all uh, today. As far as the weather and pasture conditions go in uh, in, in the northern part of the world, up, up in my part of the country, uh, fairly typical weather pattern, I would say, for, for winter, uh, midwinter in, in, in this part of the world. Uh, wet periods uh, uh, followed by a couple of days of drying and then immediately back to wet. Uh, we, we, most everybody, if you talk to in, uh, in the cattle uh, world in this part of the world, country, talks about the mud. Mud's been pretty bad. Even on the hills, it's been pretty bad. Down in the in the river bottoms, it's sure been an issue. But that's uh, that that that's winter in, in in this part of the country, and that's just comes with the territory. Uh, ryegrass looks good. I, I I did jot down in my notes a uh, little bit of strain on ryegrass in some. In some places I've seen, whether that's weather related to cold, wet days, or there was one day, uh, one period of, uh, of days there in between our last news update where I don't think the sun really shone, whether it, it was cloud cover for about six, seven days straight. But uh, there is a little bit of strain on ryegrass. I think that's partially weather related, but I also think uh, 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 some of that is related to the fact that a lot of people are putting a lot of demands on ryegrass right now. Jason's been talking about, ha, has been talking about, and, and will continue to talk about feed costs. And when you got a set of calves, you background and you waiting on ryegrass, you waiting on ryegrass. And, and uh, when that feed bill hits, the last feed bill, and saw that big jump, like what Jason's been talking about, no matter the height of that ryegrass, it's sure tempting to put some more cattle out there than probably what need to be on there. Uh, and, and that in cows included. So I think that some of the strain and stress, uh, uh, that you're seeing on ryegrass pasture right now is not so much ryegrass fault or the winter pasture fault. It's more related to the, the economics of feeding these cattle and trying to get a little bit of break from uh, some of these high supplemental cost or feed costs. Uh, just wanted to make mention to folks, uh, it's getting to be about the time of the year to be thinking about buttercup control in pastures. I was uh, at a pl- uh, man's place last week uh, kind of walk around looking at and there's a lot of buttercup coming up in those pastures. Uh, you don't know what that is. It produces a small yellow flower and uh, it, it, it can be the bane of existence in the cattle business, especially in North Louisiana, maybe in South Louisiana as well. I'm not too sure on that, but it's a, it's a prolific weed, prolific seed producer. It's easily controllable with 2,4-D uh, amongst several other things that can control it. Uh, if you've got a problem of that in your pasture in springtime with buttercup, one of the things that you have to notice whenever it is in full growth stage and especially in the flowering, uh, it can really take up some real estate in there, in your pastures at the exact wrong time of year, whenever you're needing that volunteer ryegrass or whatever you got coming up there, uh, it, it can take up some valuable real estate. So if you've had trouble with it in the past and have told yourself, I'm going to 
really control that stuff in in years to come. Now's the time to be getting it on your mind. Uh, definitely start getting some control plans together on that. Um, in in the course of our visits and and talking with some folks, uh, we we continue to talk about uh, cost of doing business and kind of the economics on on being in the cattle business. I, what brings this to mind is I, I was on the phone with a, a young producer uh, last week. A uh, uh, young guy has been in the cattle business for a couple of years now and uh, has gotten the chance to expand into a, um, yeah, a much larger operation through leasing some land and, and buying uh, an additional 100, 150 uh, head of uh, mama cows. And we went through some scenarios and I sent him some stuff on uh economics as far as costs and everything and and expected profit and i i feel like i don't need to tell you guys that listen to this report if you're listening you're probably in the cattle business uh the fact that uh that margins are tight they are just as tight and and just razor thin uh these last few years and especially this last year it has been a tough go for anyone in the cattle business trying to balance it out and everything and so I just dropped, jotted down a quick note about controlling costs. And, and what I was telling this young producer was that, you know, to a certain degree, we can't change what the market's doing. Now, we can go in uh, on, on our calf crop, assuming you're a cow-calf producer. We can go in on that calf crop and, and we can talk strategies. We talked them on our webinars before and, and, and during news updates. The, the little things you do that can have a big impact on either weaning a bigger calf or your marketing opportunities, maybe taking advantages of a preconditioned sale somewhere or, or directly selling to a producer or a stocker operation or something. There are things we can do to get more money for that calf on the end, but you can't outrun the market. And you can add in all these things, backgrounding and selling precondition and, 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 and weaning a, a bigger calf and everything you do, you just can't outrun the market force is what Jason talks about in his reports. You can't outrun them. So you've got kind of a set price, what you can get on these calves. So how can you make the two ends meet? And that's controlling costs. Uh, I can't stress this enough. I know it's a repetitive based off what I said a couple of uh, weeks ago during a news update, but but please take a look at your costs. That's how you can make, a, make some money in, in, in your cattle operation is by trimming some costs, looking at what you absolutely have to spend money on and what you don't have to spend money on. And it's kind of like the old adage goes, you know, you watch your pennies and your dollars take care of themselves. Or, uh, But you also have to remember that, uh, you know, you can go broke feeding cattle, but you can't starve a profit from them too. So you got to be careful where you spend your money on uh, and, and spending money in the right places. I, I just wanted to, kind of bring that up because I, you know some of the folks listening to this may have been in business for years and years and years and you know about what your costs are and and everything like that you know what it takes to make a dollar or in some years a dime out of the cows uh but some of these young producers when you put pencil to paper and, and show them what it's actually costing to produce these calves it's a real eye-opener guys and and once again controlling costs is one of the most effective ways to do that. Now I'm going to wrap up, Ashley. Uh, you you alluded to the fact that uh, it's livestock show season, and we had our Northwest District uh, livestock show this past weekend over in Shreveport. had had good turnout, had a good group of kids in there, uh, good livestock projects, and I, I just want to say kudos to everyone that's involved, the parents, the 4-Hers, 
the 4-H agents and, and the county agents and, uh, you know, e everyone, the show managers, everybody involved in that. Uh, uh, some some of the regulations are, you know, people are uh, have a hard time stomaching some of them, but it's done out of the health and safety of all involved. And it, it, it's a tremendous uh, task to to put on one of these uh, district or, or parish livestock shows, state livestock shows for sure during a normal year. But you add in this pandemic and these uh, these show managers and these other personnel involved, it's, it, it is quite a uh, quite a task to to, to perform. So uh, as we're moving this livestock show season, just keep that in mind that you know let's try, kind of keep our tempers in check if possible and, and try to uh, tr try to appreciate the fact that we're even able to have these things. And with that, Ashley, I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you. I'm going to kind of tag on to, to what you were saying. Um, you know, if you have strain on ryegrass, Lee just mentioned uh, the backgrounding of calves. I know a lot of you have calves hitting the ground uh, or even are starting your breeding season. And so just remember that a lactating cow, um, that process of lactation takes up so much of her uh, nutrients and nutrient requirements. That's when we see the highest requirements, um, particularly for energy. So as you start to look at your ryegrass, whether you're talking about fertilizing ryegrass or if you're going to have to come in and supplement with any feeds, uh, go ahead and be proactive about that. Think about the process in the future, uh, what you may or may not have and plan ahead, because like Lee said a while ago, you know, you can't starve a profit out of an animal. And so you don't want to see them lose weight and then say, oh, no, I need to buy feed. OK, so make sure you're maintaining um, those good body condition scores. And if you have questions on any of that. Uh, just reach out to one of us. Jason, I'm going to go ahead and turn it on over to you. All right, good to be with uh, with y'all this afternoon. Uh, we, uh, uh, as Ashley said, we are getting geared up for the 81st Annual Northeast District Livestock Show over in Delhi. Uh, we'll have animals moving in over here on Wednesday, and uh, the last ones, the last group will come in on Saturday. So we've got several days uh, spread out. Um, uh, thank you for those comments, Lee. I made the comment in a in an email I sent out to exhibitors and um, to uh, to some of our volunteers and our superintendents that uh, trying to put together a livestock show this year has been like running a hurdle race, but not knowing when the hurdles were going to pop up. So uh, it is it has definitely been a challenge this year, uh, but we're going to make this happen because uh, it's uh, it's worth it. It's worth doing it for the kids that get to come out and and exhibit their livestock. Uh, I, I remember Ashley saying early on whenever we started this that uh, and we just want to give these kids this opportunity because a lot of those livestock exposition, exhibition, I'll get it out in a minute, is uh, a lot of those opportunities have have been taken away this year. So we, uh, we're we just honored that we're able to do that. So getting into the markets uh, in the five area feeding region, uh, Fed steer negotiated sales, uh, cash sales ranged 108.50 to 113.50 on a confirmed 76,498 head. Uh, so that's up just over 10,000 head from this same week a year ago. Um, those prices are steady to two to three dollars higher from a week ago. Uh, most recent futures quotes showed April down 30 cents at 121.55. June up 52 cents at 118.12 and August up 55 cents at 
Uh, we'll get to uh, just a minute. Uh, we'll talk about why uh, uh, a lot of the uh, we're we're speculating a lot of these prices are are up a little bit. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But uh, five to six hundred pound steers, medium and large ones and twos, sold between one forty one ninety five and one fifty five oh six, which is steady to three dollars higher than a week ago. Uh, seven to eight hundred pound feeder steers, medium and large ones and twos, sold between one twenty thirty six and one twenty seven fifty six, uh, which is steady again, steady to three dollars higher than the previous week. Uh, futures quotes on that same class of cattle: uh, March trading up five cents at one thirty seven seventy seven, April up twenty five cents at one forty one, and May up sixty cents at one forty two thirty seven. Uh, so for the last several news updates we've done, we hadn't seen much movement in coal cows, but we did see a little bit of movement up uh, this week. So lean coal cows were three dollars higher from the previous week. Uh, and they were ranging 46 cents to 52 cents a pound. So it's good to start seeing a little bit of movement, which we should see start seeing this time of year. Uh, we should start seeing those coal cow prices start ticking up a little bit. So it's it's good that we're seeing that. Uh, so the annual cattle inventory uh, for January 1, 20. Um, uh, so it's reflecting the 2020 herd. It comes out January 2021. Um, uh, so the uh, uh, that's a, a, a biannual. So we'll get another cattle inventory report in July mid-year. Um, carried very few surprises. Was in line with most of the expectations of a slightly smaller beef cow herd. Um, about uh, 1% fewer calves uh, were reflected in this report. So um, anytime supply tends to be uh, trending downward, we would expect that prices would trend upward a little bit. Uh, so it, it is a, uh, a bullish market or a friendly market if you want to look at it that way. Uh, the total inventory of cattle and calves on January 20. January 1, 2021 estimated at 93.5 million head. Uh, which is about 0.2% uh, lower than the previous year. Uh, so if you've read any reports about the cattle inventory uh, report, any, uh, any of those outside reports, one of the major things that just about everybody's talking about is that USDA did make some significant downward revisions to the 2019 report, uh, which is, uh, uh, does have some, uh, some effect on, on the numbers that we're working off of now. Uh, so the calf crop for 2019 was uh, uh, was revised to 35.5 million head, almost a half a million head smaller than it was originally reported. So, um, and there's you can read a lot of different things out there of why that is, but uh, they did USDA. All it's not uncommon for them to do revisions on those reports, but they did revise that 2019 report downward. Uh, which uh, uh, does have some effect as, as folks start using this to uh, to plan forward. Uh, but overall, it really didn't have that uh, that big of impact on anything. Uh, but again, because we did see a, a fairly friendly report, uh, we are seeing some of those prices start trending upward, which is a, a good thing. Um, so getting into our feedstuffs, um, it was good to see several of our commodities uh, kind of start evening out. 
Um, it seems like for the last several news reports, I, I reported every feed stuff that I report on was trending upward. Uh, so now we're seeing several of them that were starting to steady out. Uh, so there was no change from a week ago. Uh, so which is a, a good thing. So we'll look, uh, uh, we'll get right into them. Rice brand trading steady at $140 a ton. Soybean meal trading down $18.50 at $455.50 a ton. Soybean hull steady at $135 a ton. Corn gluten feed steady at $725 a ton. DDGs up $7.50 a ton at $225 a ton. Cottonseed meal up $25 a ton at $460 a ton. Whole cottonseed finally started leveling out, so it's steady at $320 a ton. And corn uh, is up 13 cents a bushel at $5.67 a bushel. So, um, yes, I understand there was still some upward trends in there, but uh, we've got several of them that are starting to level out, which is a good thing. Uh, so with that, Ashley, uh, I'm going to turn it back over to you and go out there and play in the cold a little bit more because let me tell y'all, it is cold in Delhi. So the folks that are listening to this from Northeast Louisiana, it is cold in Delhi. Uh, we got a nice little north wind blowing, and uh, anytime we get a north wind blowing in Delhi, it's cold. So I'll leave it at that. Thanks. I actually, I think I bundled up too much when I was in Shreveport on Saturday. Um, I was starting to sweat just a little bit in the show ring, but I uh, will pack extra when I head your way tomorrow. Um, I'm going to wrap up with an announcement for our Beef Brunch webinar next week. So um, our monthly webinar will be with Bradley Pusson. He is an A&R agent in Calcasieu and Cameron Parishes, and he's going to talk a little bit about hurricane recovery efforts. Um, so what has been done, what they're still doing um, maybe just a little bit of, you know, moving forward, hindsight 2020, what you can do for, I probably shouldn't say 2020 like that, but um, what you can do in the future to prepare for um, for hurricane um, season. So that will be next Tuesday, February 9th at 1030 a.m. Uh, that will be live. And again, we will record it and I will have it up next week on the Beefbrunch website. And then our next news update will come to you Tuesday, February 16th. I'm not 100% sure what that's going to look like because most of us will be at the state show, but we will get something out to you. Um, Jason, you have something else you wanted to add? Yeah, we were talking right right before we got started recording. Uh, uh, Lee had brought up the, uh, the latest round of CFAT payment. So let me just touch on that real quick. Um, so the uh, with the new administration uh, uh, in Washington, so they did freeze, uh, put a freeze on the current uh, CFAP programs that are out there. Um, investing with uh, with our local farm service agency folks, that is not unusual. Whenever we do get a a change in administration in Washington, for them to to freeze those current programs, and uh, just so they can kind of get a grasp on what's going on. So that does not change you having the ability to go in and sign up. Uh, so the sign up uh, period is still available. That uh, I think that ends on February the 26th, if I remember right. Uh, so they can still go into the local FSA office. They can get signed up. Uh, they've just put a current freeze, a temporary freeze uh, on those funds in terms of getting them paid out. So 
Uh, don't let that concern you in terms of just you can't even go sign up. Definitely go ahead, go into your local FSA office, do it, complete the application process online. Uh, but uh, definitely go ahead and get that uh, that process taken care of, uh, so that whenever we do get that freeze lifted, um, you'll have all of your documents uh, ready to go and uh, and ready to to receive that. All right, thank you and thank you all for joining us and good luck to all of our exhibitors as they continue in their uh, district and at the state shows.